This is session five of Ephesians 6, 14 to 17, and we focus on the second piece of armor here, the breastplate of righteousness. Stand, therefore, because you have such demonic, deceptive, powerful enemies. Back in verse 12 of chapter 6, stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So, Father, we want to understand what this righteousness refers to and how to put it on. And I ask not only for understanding, but that the actual performance of obedience of this command, put on the breastplate of righteousness this morning, tonight, this afternoon, would be obeyed. We want to obey this text. So help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing I want to address is whether or not this righteousness and the putting on of it refers to what uh, theologians call imputed righteousness that we have because we are united to Christ Imputed righteousness is his righteousness, which is perfect and not ours, and is the basis of God's acceptance of us as we come out of death into life and are, to use the words of Paul elsewhere, justified. Is that what it's referring to? Put on your justification. Let me just, in case that's not a familiar idea to you, let me just show it to you quickly. Romans 5.19, for as by the one man's, that's Adam's, disobedience, the many were made sinners, were constituted sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. This word made here meaning appointed, that's the literal meaning, appointed righteous. So everybody fell and everybody was counted a sinner in Adam. And in Christ, everybody is counted as righteous. That's imputed righteousness. It is before and it is foundational to whether we actually become, in practice, righteous people. Here it is again in Philippians 3. For Christ's sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, union with Christ. Therefore, in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from my law, my law-keeping, the law-keeping, but rather, which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So, in Christ, we have a righteousness that is not our own. It comes from God through faith in Christ. That's imputed righteousness. It is glorious and true, and without it, we could make no progress in actually becoming practically righteous and holy. I don't think that's what this is referring to. Theologically, if you preached on that and said, we must put on the breastplate of imputed righteousness, I would say the sermon is not theologically false. I would say, it's probably using the wrong text. <laughs> See the difference? Why do I think that? Well, 
the concept of imputed righteousness in this language isn't in Ephesians. What is in Ephesians? Well, let's go, let's go see all the places where righteousness is used. Ephesians 4.24, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in righteousness and holiness of the truth. This is the new self that we are to put on. In other words, having been justified, having had the righteousness of Christ imputed to us, now put on your new self, which is a righteous self. Become what you are. Or Ephesians 5, 8 to 10. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all goodness and righteousness and truth, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Righteousness here refers to what is pleasing to the Lord. It is a way of walking. It's not imputed righteousness. This is the fruit of imputed righteousness, namely real righteousness. Now, here's a really good example that I think gets right at the heart of the matter and why I think Paul is saying here, put on the breastplate of righteousness, because back in chapter 6, verse 12, just a couple of verses earlier, we have demonic enemies. What are the demonic enemies trying to do to us? They are not only trying to destroy our faith, They are trying to make us wicked, sinful, unforgiving, unkind, no fruits of the Spirit. Watch this. Ephesians 4, 26. Be angry and do not sin. There's a way to be angry and not sin. And here's one example of how to do that. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, don't hold a grudge. Don't stew day after day over uh, somebody, somebody's wrong against you. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Be a righteous person. A righteous person doesn't give way to sinful anger. Because if you don't, what happens? And give no opportunity to the devil. You see how he's arguing? If you let the sun go down on your anger, you are giving place to the devil. You are failing to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Does that make sense? The devil here is trying to destroy you, and he destroys you by making you angry so that you become sinfully angry by holding on to a grudge and going to bed with it every night. And after a few days of that, or weeks or years of that, what happens? You're dead. Your whole heart is shriveled up with bitterness and anger, and Satan is laughing up his sleeve that for a while you justify that by saying, well, it's right to be angry. This is real righteousness opposing a real devil and his strategies to destroy us. Watch Paul do this. 2 Corinthians 2.10. Anyone whom you forgive, so there's been some kind of offense in the church, Paul has urged them to be forgiving, and he's going to say, if you forgive them, I forgive them. Why? Watch. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. So this is the opposite of holding a grudge, right? This is the opposite of going to bed on your anger every night. It's forgiving. It's letting it go. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, 
has been for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. For we're not ignorant of his designs. What designs? The designs that if you hold a grudge and go to bed on it every night and don't forgive, he wins. He wins. He's going to get a place in your heart. I've seen it destroy people, absolutely destroy people. It's just tragic to watch. Somebody wrongs them, really wrongs them, and they let the wrong destroy them, not the wrongdoer. How wrong is that? How backward is that? So, we got a, we got a demon enemy here, a deceiver who hates us, wants to destroy us. How does he destroy us? He destroys us by threatening us with all kinds of unrighteousness. And Paul is saying, don't let that happen. Put on the breastplate of real righteousness. Close like this. 1 John 3.10 By this it is, is it evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness, practice righteousness. This is not imputed righteousness. This is imparted righteousness based on imputed righteousness. Whoever does not practice real, daily, forgiving, kind, gentle, loving, good, righteous behavior is not of God. Because you know the tree by its fruit. And if the fruit is only producing unrighteousness, it's not real. Nor is the one who does not love, nor is the one who does not love his brother. In other words, that person is not a child of God. Children of God practice righteousness. How fitting then that Paul would say, don't just know your truth. Don't just believe your truth. Live your truth in righteousness. Fulfill God's purpose in your life. And of course, this all comes by faith, right? It's the obedience of faith, to use Paul's language in Romans 1, 5. So this breastplate here, I'm arguing, is a real, new, transformed Holy Spirit given, blood-bought behavior change that frustrates the daylights out of the devil because he can't get an opportunity. He can't get a place. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give opportunity to the devil. And he keeps trying and trying to get an opportunity in your life and you keep on getting rid of this sinful anger and becoming a righteous person, not a perfect person, just a righteous warrior against the devil, and you frustrate his designs, and that's the point of the armor.